Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What's driving the conversation in California today? Every weekday at this time, we explore a topic that's making news in our state. This is the state of California. Good afternoon, I'm Doug Sovereign, KCBS political reporter and host of The State of California. Well, there's a roiling debate here in California over crime and what to do about it, with progressive prosecutors in two of the state's most important cities under fire facing recall elections, San Francisco DA Chesa Boudin and Los Angeles DA, formerly of San Francisco, George Gascon. The public perception of soaring crime is not entirely supported by the statistics and even where murders and shootings are up is it fair to blame the district attorneys well how much does their approach to crime fighting really affect what happens on the street for more on this we're joined today on the kcbs ring central newsline by john faff a professor of law at fordham university and an expert on criminal law and the laws of sentencing thanks so much for being with us thanks so much for having me so you've written about the role of the prosecutor and its, its impact on conviction and sentencing. Let, let's begin with the big picture. How much impact do DAs really have when it comes to crime rates? As a general matter, I think we kind of overstate their impact. Certainly from, say, a deterrence point of view, what really deters crime isn't prosecution, it's policing. Right? It's that threat of detection. You know, crime tends to be committed by young men. Uh, to the extent it's, it's older men uh, who are doing it, they're ones who have oftentimes been traumatized or have gone through, you know, have trouble with sort of executive control, you know, the threat of a punishment being imposed months, if not years down the line, that's not what deters behavior. It's the cop on the corner now uh, threatening to arrest them now. That is where deterrence comes from. Uh, and so it shouldn't surprise us that, as you in fact see in the data, there's not much difference between cities with progressive DAs and cities without progressive DAs in terms of how they have experienced, you know, the early 2020s. Yeah, I mean, part of the debate over capital punishment over the decades has been, is it a deterrent or not? And there have been ample studies showing it's really not a deterrent at all, that, that, that criminals don't really think about that far down the road when they're committing a crime. Right. It's not, it's not even just they don't think that far down the line, uh, but it's also that, you know, in, in the case of moving beyond just homicide to serve all crimes, so only about half of all violent crimes are reported to the police in the first place. Police make arrests in only about half of those crimes, right, at, at best. So the chance of any given crime even coming in contact with the criminal legal system, a violent crime, is about 25%. Uh, for property crime, it's about 10%. And the DAs can't do anything until you get to that small fraction of things, right? So they're only really finding themselves interacting with, with an already fairly small set of set of cases. Uh, Bodine in particular has blamed the San Francisco police for not bringing him more cases, not solving more crimes, saying, you know, I can't prosecute a case without an arrest. Sounds like the data suggests that's a reasonable argument on his part. There, it is a reasonable argument. And oftentimes the police rebuttal you hear is that, you know, well, why should we make an arrest if you're not going to punish them? There's no point in making that arrest. Um, and I think the problem with that claim is that it grossly understates the extent to which an arrest itself is a very real form of punishment. You know, in many states, uh, an arrest stays on your permanent record, right? even if the DA drops the charges, right? And so unless you're going to up the pay, oftentimes several hundred dollars to have your record expunged, you have a permanent arrest when you go to 
apply for a job or, or get a loan or, or rent an apartment. Um, another recent survey found that a majority, of, about 45% of black respondents said that they would rather be the victim of a robbery or, or, or a burglary than to be stopped by the police. Uh, a majority said they would rather be the victim of a robbery or a burglary than be searched by the police, right? So police interactions are, are um, incredibly fraught, challenging experiences for people who, who experience them. This idea that the DA doesn't press charges, uh, well, then why bother? Grossly understating the extent to which police interactions themselves scare people and, and, and you know, is a form of punishment itself. Yeah, I mean, part of that might be because of the fear in the black community of what will happen if you're if you're engaged with the police. Um, the conservative refrain is that is that liberal Democrats are to blame uh, for the rising crime in cities. But then you look at Sacramento, where the DA is Anne Marie Schubert, longtime Republican. Now she's running for state attorney general as an independent. And Sacramento has had a soaring murder rate and has had two horrible mass murders recently. So so does talking tough on crime and taking that tough on crime approach make really any difference? I mean, again, I think I think the policies themselves. I mean, well, I think the policies the DAs themselves adopt are probably less important than we think. But I, I would also add that when it comes to violent crime, you know, one of the things progressive prosecutors argue, and it's actually one reason why some defense lawyers actually aren't a fan of progressive prosecution as a concept. But right? their idea is that if we stop going after this lesser stuff, we can actually focus more on the serious violence, right? That we are wasting resources on these drug cases and these property cases and these low-level property, no violent cases. If we actually stop prosecuting those, we can go after things like murder and rape and armed robbery more aggressively. Um, and so oftentimes the very description of what progressive prosecutors are doing is a caricature of the reality, right? They're not just letting murderers walk. They're arguing that if we stop going after these drug cases, we can actually focus better and more effectively and more aggressively on, on things like like murder. Um, and yeah, you know, so, so, you know, I think, A, I don't think the rhetoric, I don't think tough on crime policies in terms of long sentences imposed after, after the fact are powerful deterrents. But I think it also creates a false distinction between what progressive and more conservative DAs are doing when it comes to the kind of serious violence um, that really concerns people. Well, what evidence is there to support the argument of the progressive DAs that their approach does reduce crime in the long run? Where, where do their ideas bear fruit, or, or have we not seen that yet? I mean, I don't think we've seen that yet, because I think it's hard to stress how new the progressive prosecutor movement is. And I think the extent to which you see it being attacked is, is kind of a remarkable testimony to how quickly it's caught on. You know, the idea of the progressive prosecutor in any sort of large-scale sense is only about five or six years old, right? You know, certainly one of the main sort of, you know, most prominent of progressive DAs is people like Kim Fox in Chicago and Larry Krasner in Philadelphia. You know, Kim Fox just won re-election last year and Larry Krasner just won re-election this year. Like, it's very, very new and it's very early to see what kind of outcomes they're they're going to have. Thank you so much for being with us. John Pfaff, criminal law expert, professor of law at Fordham University. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much. You can hear the state of California every weekday at 3.30 p.m. It's also available on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find me on Twitter at Sovereign Nation. I'm Doug Sovereign, KCBS. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.